This podcast does not constitute medical advice. All changes surrounding medications, diet and exercise should be made in consultation with a professional who can assess your unique health circumstances. Welcome to the Patterson Program, where you'll learn how to improve your health from the inside out. And now, your host, Clint Patterson. Today I've got a guest who has a fabulous story to tell. Her name is Kim. She's from Melbourne. She's been part of Patterson Program Support, which is the uh, platform in which I can help people personally for a number of years, but I didn't get to meet her in person until just recently when she attended a conference in Melbourne that I was part of, Doctors for Nutrition. Uh, it was a fabulous conference and I got the pleasure of meeting Kim and hearing just the profound changes uh, improvements that she's been able to make by following the Patterson program, plant-based diet, and it's absolutely awesome. And uh, we have now connected for her to share her story, and not just her story, but lots of actionable, implementable tips for you to follow as well if you're down a similar path and on the Patterson program or thinking about implementing it. So Kim, thank you so much for joining me today. No worries at all. It was lovely to meet you. Yes, we really uh, had a great chat. It was you and myself and a few other folks who were part of our little network of let's help ourselves against the most monstrous disease kind of group. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, we did. We had a bit of a laugh and we had a chat and we exchanged some uh, experiences. So I'm looking forward to getting into that detail in a minute. And as I said a moment ago, we're going to allow a lot of time for you and I to talk about implementable tips and suggestions and guidelines. So Uh, We'll spend a portion of the time talking about your story. Um, But first of all, just give us the highlight reel. Give us the snapshot of before and after. Uh, Yeah, so I was pretty much diagnosed in 2014 um, with RA. I mean, I'd had a previous flare about 18 months earlier, which seemed to subside. So ended up with the rheumatologist putting me on methotrexate and then probably about six months later on Plaquenil as well. And um, before I got to see the rheumatologist, the doctor put me on Progesterone just to help with the pain until I could see the rheumatologist. Yeah, and then eventually started the Patterson program. Yeah, I'm good, great, back to normal pretty much other than a little bit of pain still in my feet and that's about it. So otherwise I'm, yeah, doing really well. That's fantastic. And you're off those medications completely, right? Yes, yeah, completely off them. Awesome. Okay. Well, looking forward to covering your experience with those drugs, also your experience with managing pain and the experimental phase of what worked, what didn't work. And of course, then we'll get into all of the interesting stuff about how you use the Patterson program and what aspects of it were most crucial and so on. So 2014, that takes us back from where we are now, about five years. So Tell us, uh, you know, symptoms began. What was what was the course of, of progression with the condition before you hit those drugs that the doctor put you on? Uh, yeah, so pretty much I just woke up one morning and stepped out of bed and my ankle was sore. And I just thought, oh, I've sprained my ankle. I don't remember spraining my ankle, but okay. And then a couple of days later, I got all this fluid and swelling under the foot and I sort of... Mm-hmm started going, oh, this is, you know, a bit strange. I know that fractures sometimes have swelling and I'm thinking, surely I can't have fractured it and not have even known. And then, 
Um, a couple of days later after that, the other foot started hurting and I thought, oh, well, I've been on that foot a lot because I'm not using the other foot, so that must be why. Yeah. Um, and then it just seemed to spread all over my body. So about a week later, I was just pain all over my body and I thought, oh, I've got to stop going to work and just have a week off. Yeah. You know, obviously I've got the flu and I just need to recover, but it just got worse and worse. And uh, yeah, it got to the point that in the mornings I couldn't actually put my ankle on the ground, like physically could not get my ankle to go on the ground, obviously from the swelling, etc. And so I was sort of like half hobbling on my tiptoes and then sort of crawling and trying to get to the bathroom in the morning and get around to start with. So at that point, I just went, no, nah, there's something really not right here. <laughs> yeah. So I went off to the doctors and went into her office and she just said, you know, how can I help you today? And I just burst into tears. I just have never had that sort of, you know, pain before. So, yeah, she wasn't sure exactly what it was. You know, there's lots of different, I don't know, she said it could have been an insect bite, some sort of virus attacking my joints. So she sent me off a blood test for, you know, Lyme disease and Ross River fever and all of that stuff. And she got my CRP and popped me on Prodisaline just to help with the the pain and inflammation. Um, A couple of days later, my blood test came back and my CRP was in the 50 range somewhere. Yeah. Um, remember exactly what it was so right yeah wow gee it came on quick huh yeah (laughs) yeah yeah i was just talking with another guest on a on uh, an episode just a a few prior to our recording now about when you have a have a really good strong powerful youthful immune system the disease can progress extremely quickly because Mm -hmm. the immune system's operating in its programmed way but we're the enemy against this powerful immune system. Yeah. And my rheumatologist said, look, you know, he sees this a lot, especially with like young people with good immune systems that become cross-wired with the disease. It The progression is rapid, which is what yeah. you saw definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Yeah. So when you saw the rheumatologist, how did he sort of outline or he or she outline the, uh, the course of treatment? Well, to start with, I just was on the prednisone for three months and then my doctor weaned me off it. And the reason I was on it for a bit longer was because I actually had my first overseas trip. So I'm freaking out thinking I'm not going to get to go on this trip, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And so she weaned me off it and it actually went away. So she just thought it was a virus that was attacking my joints. So it wasn't until 18 months later that I was driving to work and all of a sudden I felt the pain in my elbow. And I'm just going, no, no, no. I actually said it out loud. I'm not having this stupid thing back again. I can't yeah. do that again. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's spread again really quickly. But this time I got to the doctor's a lot quicker. So then she referred me to the rheumatologist. So, yeah, he um, had a look at me and just diagnosed me with RA, which the doctor said I might have. So I'd already researched it. Mm. Or saw all the horrible things about it and thought, oh, no, I don't want any of that stuff. Mm. Yeah. So she sent me to the rheumatologist and the rheumatologist diagnosed me with RA. Um, and he pretty much said that they need to hit it quick. And I said to him, well, I don't want to end up in a wheelchair because that was the things that I'd read. Um, and he said, well, I'm not planning on you being in a wheelchair. And he said that he'd try me on methotrexate first and see how we go. He said often he has to combine drugs or mix things around until he finds what works for each individual person and then pretty much just gave me an A4 sheet of all the side effects of methotrexate. <laughs> <laughs> I had a look at all of that and kind of freaked out. <laughs> did you did you ask for a thinking period or did you just say, okay, I'm going for it? 
no, I just yeah. – too much pain. I'm yeah, just like, too much pain. All the, you know, degradation of my joints yeah. and stuff. So I'm just like, no, I'm just going to go on it. Although, Were you still on the steroid at the time? Uh, yes. So he pretty much wanted me on the methotrexate and, you know, going from the lowest amount and increasing it, you know, every week or two. And, yeah, and then he said once that's working, he'd wean me off the prednisolone. Oh wow! There was like a, ta- a, a a ramping on an onboarding process for the methotrexate. Yep, yep. So it was okay. like yeah, within mm. you know, take this amount, and then I think it was like ten milligrams or something initially, and then it was like fifteen milligrams, then twenty milligrams, and then I ended up on twenty five milligrams, the full amount. So it was like he wanted to hit it hard, I suppose. Yeah, twenty five milligram off the bat is hard. But yeah. if, you, if you're at 50 odd, you know, I know True. it was the first time, first time round, you, you hit sort of 50 plus C-reactive protein. And of course, normal range is less than five. So yeah. if you're anywhere like you were first time round, then that's obviously uh, maybe, well, and could argue that that's an appropriate amount of uh, offense against yep. the kind of attack. Yeah. Hey, um, the onboarding and ramp up like that, I haven't actually seen before, you know, normally, uh, or at least put it this way. Haven't seen it done in a fast fashion like that. Um, I ended up doing that, but it was, let's start you on 10, see how you go. A couple of visits later, okay, we need to increase it a little bit up, try again. That was my my experience. Okay. So, okay, um, how did you tolerate the methotrexate both in terms of symptoms uh, reduction but also side effects? Um, so in terms of symptom reduction, it definitely started to help um, the joint pain itself, but not the aching all over my body. Um, so it definitely helped, but didn't help fully, which mm. I mean, the rheumatologist had said he might need to combine drugs to get it fully under control. So that was okay. Um, in terms of side effects, it was a nightmare. It was just awful, like so nauseated and sick, exhaustion, to the point that I couldn't even do grocery shopping. Like I'd get halfway through grocery shopping and feel like I was just going to pass out. So it was just an absolute nightmare. I remember my family, we had um, a wedding or something on and, you know, I was looking for a a wedding dress and I remember one of them holding me up while they're looking around and quickly bringing stuff to me and then after about two stores, um, mum said, you can't do any more, can you? And I'm like, (laughs) no, and went home. So, yeah, it was pretty full on the the effects. Yeah. Wow. Like holding you up, just sort of just keep holding your arm just to make sure that you're not yeah. going to fall over. Yeah. That's obviously as, as extreme as you could ever want. I, I had a similar experience with methotrexate mm. and I was doing Bikram yoga as well, which exhausts me at any time. Even after coming off the drug, I find it it's a tiring, very tiring, you know, exercise. Yeah. But combining methotrexate, Bikram yoga, and being only on raw foods, man, I mean, I was like you, I was just so exhausted. And and the best way I can describe it is just feeling like a zombie, like yes. uh, just like brain fog and, and a feeling like, like I, I say I was alive, but I didn't feel like I was living. Yeah. That's, and, and anyone who's thinking about going on it, here's the weird thing. I, I think that it's probably the best one. It's, that's what's crazy. That's what's crazy. <laughs> it's it's kind of, it gets pretty, um, 
it gets pretty bad after methotrexate in terms of what where you go from there. But anyway, um, tell me, Plaquenil was then added. How did the additional drug impact you? Yeah, so pretty much he was really concerned about how much the methotrexate was affecting me mm. energy-wise, um, and he said, well, that's not a way that you're going to live very well. So mm. he wanted me, he would put me on the Plaquenil in the hopes of getting me off the methotrexate, but I only managed to reduce my dosage to 20 milligrams, and then I tried to get to the 15, and I just ended up with a massive flare for two weeks. So he said, obviously, we need to keep you on the methotrexate because it's obviously doing its job. But what I noticed with the Plaquenil was that it was helping the aching all over my body. Interesting. Yeah, really interesting. The methotrexate seemed to help the joint pain, but the Mm. Plaquenil seemed to help the aching. Mm. Um, Yeah, so I I sort of ended up on both both of them, the Trexate 20 milligrams and the Plaquenil uh, one tablet a day. So. Um, it sounds like Plaquenil actually was the suitable addition, and to give mm-hmm. it to give it the appropriate recognition, because I, you know, with other guests, sometimes we we've trashed the drug about how much they've struggled on it, and I've given examples of others who've struggled. And so, just to be fair with your experience, did you ever get anything like the giant heartbeats or the feeling of panic and stuff that can sometimes come with it? No. No. Okay. Well, it's fantastic. You know, then the doctor has done a wonderful job in finding a combination that's got your symptoms under control. Obviously, the number one goal for the rheumatologist is minimize future joint damage, you know, develop what they call remission, which is just heavily sedated, heavily drugged situation to, to suppress symptoms. Yeah. And so that was great. So what went wrong after that? How come, like, where did it start to fall apart or did it not? And you've just found our program and just started to go for it. Yeah, so pretty much once I got diagnosed, I obviously told my bosses what was going on and they said that one of their, um, one of the other work colleagues um, had had Hashimoto's mm-hmm. and that she had successfully helped herself with diet. So they told me to go and speak to her. So I went and had a chat to her and um, she had done a heap of research um, and she didn't have the same stuff that you had, but she started me on a program which was, you know, getting rid of dairy, getting rid of sugar and, you know, more fruit, vegetables, meat, that sort of thing. So getting rid of processed foods, all of that. And so that really helped. I was on that for about 10 months Mm. and um, that really helped my energy levels, you know, I lost a heap of weight and so it was really beneficial but I got to a point where I just plateaued and I couldn't do, I didn't get any more improvements, I couldn't reduce my meds and so she'd actually given me your brochure from a GoVita magazine. Mm, Which is a health food store that I've presented at and hosted their conference on a couple of occasions so I'm all of their staff who run their stores or their store owners are familiar with my story, with my work because of witnessing my story at their conference. So okay. that's that's yep. uh, how I'm piecing the, the, the dots together here. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So she pretty much said, look, you can do it with diet because this person's done it. So, yeah, so that's when I went, okay, right. Well, he's actually had rheumatoid arthritis, so I'm going to have a look at it and – yeah, I had a look at it and thought, well, it's worth giving it a go and, yeah, sort of jumped in from there. So, yeah, that was in November 2015. Okay. 
how did the uh, process unfold with the, um, you know, how did you feel and uh, how challenging was it and, and uh, how long did it take before you realised you were onto something? Um, so the first day was an absolute nightmare. <laughs> Um, and I only got through about, I think, a litre of the um, cucumber and celery juice, yes. and I felt so ill it wasn't funny, <laughs> and I just went, oh, my gosh, I can't do this. There's something really wrong. <laughs> um, and, um, my housemate at the time, she was really good, and she's just like, well, it's either this or you're in pain for the rest of your life on those drugs, <laughs> and I'm like, yep. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I couldn't do you know, I couldn't do much with that and I ended up going, oh, I can't do this. So I just ended up having water mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and um, until I could start on the... Day three. Yeah, yeah, the, the next process. Um, the issue was I found out later that actually the cucumber um, was a reaction food for me. How about that? That's yeah. rare. That's rare, yeah. but how I've heard this before a couple of times, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, right. yeah, so then I just ended up on the day three stuff and mm. um, just had salad, uh, celery and carrot sticks and, yep. you know, some of the quinoa and basmati and stuff. Mm. And, yeah, so I just started it from there. I had a – I felt, I don't know, headachey, tired, some heart palpitations. So I really struggled to start with. Um, yeah, right. But yep. writing on your forum going on yep. This is, I'm not good. Yes. Um, and so um, you said I could introduce the sweet potato, I think, a day early. Mm-hmm. Yep. And um, my mum came and um, cooked me a whole batch of um, sweet potato soup, which was lovely. Yes. Um, and then I started from there and that really helped. And then, yeah, I sort of went from there. I started recording, you know, my pain levels in different joints and stuff. Yeah. But I wasn't noticing a lot of difference. Mm-hmm. Um, and eventually I stopped doing it because every morning I'd wake up feeling depressed because I had to, Write you know, the same numbers down again. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I can't even tell you when I started noticing a difference. It just, I don't know, slowly, I suppose it just happened. And yeah, it was just slow improvements here and there. That's fascinating, you know, how different it is for everyone. Because, you know, I have with my hand on my heart, told people in the past and even used as kind of text on my website at times that most people can halve their pain in two weeks. And yeah. that's because that's the truth. And in your case, you wouldn't have met that sort of situation. Yeah, You have had the very, very gradual or slow change that does come up again from time to time. Like yeah. your cucumber intolerance, that's very rare. And same yeah. with your slow response at first, not noticing much, that also is very rare. But we can see from you that no two people are the same and that if we trust the process sufficiently with how long this, this took for you to feel better, we have to understand that eventually if you put enough of nature's perfect foods into your body, eventually the biological ability of your body to repair does begin. Yeah. Yeah. So, you yeah. know. <laughs> yeah. Because you've removed all the things that are going to create fermentation and toxicity and, and so forth in your digestive system by taking out the meat, dairy, and the oils. And yeah. that just leaves plant foods. And these plant foods are synergistic with the body and stuff's going to work eventually. 
Yes. So, okay, so you've started to gradually feel better and probably noticed after a couple of months, say, I am feeling better and that's enough motivation as well as our support and encouragement online for you to say, okay, I'm just going to keep at this. When did you really realize now it's you could start talking about medication reduction and all that. When did the sort of the real power of powerful part of this kick in? Well, I kind of figured things a bit differently in terms of how I thought about it. So I pretty much told myself I wasn't even thinking about medication reduction until I'd done a year on the program. Uh-huh. That was my yep. goal was I was going to do a year and then from there assess it. So pretty much a year to the day was when I was just doing so well. My CRPs were down to two and um, I'm thinking, oh, how am I going to, you know, mention it to my rheumatologist that I want to try reducing it? But I never had to mention it to him. He did it all. So he just saw how good I was going and just started reducing me. Now, this is absolutely fascinating. Did he start to reduce the Plaquenil first or simultaneously lower both? Um, He started reducing the methotrexate initially first Mm, okay and because i was still quite exhausted because of your feedback on that because you're telling him it sucks it sucks yeah 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 Yeah. so that's what he wanted to try and reduce first so yeah so he reduced that first i was maybe five milligrams you know over three months and kept on going and then at one point um he said okay which drug do you want to reduce now And I'm like, oh, I just thought I'd keep on getting off the methotrexate. But what had come back in my blood test was my ALT and my ASTs were getting out of normal range. Um, So obviously my liver wasn't coping very well. I think he probably just wanted to get me off that. Well, he would have taken you off that straight away once that started, right, the methotrexate? Uh, No, he actually took me straight off the pack now. When your ALT and AST went up? Yeah. Oh, wow. I wasn't as... Uh, aware that that drug could raise the liver enzymes as well. Yeah, I'm, I don't mm. know, but yeah, he mm. just took me straight off the Plaquenil, uh-huh. and then I kept with the methotrexate for a little bit longer, and then I started reducing that. Wow! As, again, yep. yeah, probably reduced it half methotrexate halfway. Then yep. I got taken off the Plaquenil, and then I reduced the methotrexate the rest of the way. I think what's good to note here is that the first reduction of five milligram of methotrexate took three months. And that's, that's really important for everyone to yeah. appreciate. Yeah. Um, it's not like, you know, it was half the dosage and then more again next month. I mean, five milligram, if you're starting on 25 and then you reduce down to 20, it's, it's what's that, a 20% reduction over a three-month period. The body has plenty of time to reassess where it's at and for symptoms to present themselves if they're going to present themselves and for your body to to reacclimatize with that level of, of intervention. And so, yeah. again, another smart move from the rheumatologist. And I definitely learned something about the Plaquenil maybe contributing to the ALT-AST increase. I had not um, known that before, so uh, that, that's really interesting. And when he took the Plaquenil out of the mix, did the ALT and AST return to normal? Yeah, well, yeah, it started returning a little bit better, and yep. then once I was fully off the methotrexate, then it's back to normal completely. Yeah, I think the doctors are okay with it being just a little elevated, but yeah. if the if these two markers stay elevated for a long time or very elevated, uh, it can be concerning because obviously it's like it's liver toxicity, right? It's the liver yeah. having basically difficulty. Wow. Okay. Fantastic. All right. Well, that's 
That's obviously brilliant. Now, after coming off the drugs, just to conclude on your story, before we start sharing tips and, and things we need to emphasize and stuff, did you notice that um, you had to work harder with getting more simple on the foods or did you see that things were stable well after the medication? Um, so I definitely had some increased pain um, reducing medication, which I knew was going to happen because you've got it all, you know, formulated on your forums. So um, I was expecting that. Um, so pretty much I remember one time my legs were just aching something chronic and so I'm like right off to the gym so yeah went off to the gym and did about half an hour on the treadmill and then afterwards I got off and I went oh my gosh thank goodness that pain's really subsided yeah yeah yeah. so I just pretty much tackled any of the any of the increased pain with some sort of you know physical movement um, I love it I love it I love it I love it this is what (laughs) I try and tell everyone to do yeah, I love it. I even remember like I had some, I think it was elbow pain or something one day that was flaring up and, you know, I remember I was just like flicking my elbow back and forth, just, you know, moving that elbow, you know, because I was at work, I couldn't do anything else and, yeah, it helped. <laughs> it helps. I mean, the, the the thing is only a joint because it's meant to move. It's yeah. its only purpose is to move and uh, a joint is obviously not as strong in terms of weight-bearing uh, it's not as reliable and robust as a straight piece of bone. So the body has simply said, look, I'm going to compromise everything so I can put something in here that can create movement. And so that's the only purpose of the joint is to move. So we've got to move it and we have to move it in a way normally that's way more than what we expect. You know, we think that if if it's inflamed, if we just move it a little bit, uh, do a little bit of that just to keep the elbow moving, yeah. that might loosen it up. No, we need to take it to levels that surprise ourselves and, and uh, surprise people around us if they knew what we were doing because if there's inflammation trapped in there, it needs even more attention than ever before because we have to not just give it its daily typical motion but over and above to try and clear out problems that are in there. So yeah, I think uh, I did about 100 repetitions of yeah, it. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, it's fabulous, fabulous. So yeah. this is textbook stuff. Everything you've done is just textbook stuff and, and, and brilliant. So let's, let's now talk about what your diet looks like now. Are you frequently resetting back to baseline or are the foods in the baseline just part of a broader group of foods that you can now enjoy? Yeah, I, I eat so much stuff. It's yeah, I've got heaps of variety and choices. Um, now I don't need to reset if something happens to randomly, you know, like if I've been away, you know, somewhere and something's been mm. given to me that's a bit funny or something. I just have to stop having that, you know, for a couple of days and then it's gone. So I don't need to reset as such. Yeah, yep. 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 you slowly kind of realign and rebalance comes back to the body after just a day or two yeah. away from whatever some external trigger was that's yeah, out that's, of your day-to-day normal. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So, I mean, you know, I eat fruits and vegetables and, yeah, pastas and rice and, mm-hmm. yeah, all normal sort of stuff, salads. Yeah, so yep. it's just without all the processed stuff and without the meat and oils and, yeah, it's great. Brilliant, brilliant. <laughs> brilliant. Okay, let's talk about some uh, some tips you might have for some viewers uh, or listeners. What do you think is the most important part of this process to emphasize 
Would it be some of the foods to, to exercise? Would it be would it be having to do all parts of it that's most important? I mean, can you give us some insights for you? What was crucial? I think the first thing is the fact that it's an elimination type, you know, diet because the things that I found I was reacting to, I would never have any idea, you right. know. Like things like pumpkin I still don't eat. It gives me headaches. I've got absolutely no idea why. Yeah. Um, but, you know, things that you eat all the time every day, you know, I think if you just eliminated those things and didn't do the elimination style that you've got, you would have no clue that these things that you think are really good foods are actually triggering your RAs. So I think the most important thing is to do the plan as you've said it and slowly introduce stuff properly so that you can really, you know, see whether you get a reaction or not because it only takes one or two foods and you're going to feel awful and not realise what's going on. How true. It does, doesn't it? Just one or two foods and you think, this sucks, I'm in pain, or as you had it, like, you know, I have headaches, then you make some huge deductions from that. And you say, this isn't working for me, I'm not making progress, I'm losing hope. I mean, all these things start to play on your mind immediately once yeah. you don't feel like you're still in a healing groove. Yeah. And uh, again, to reinforce your comment about the importance of it being an elimination process, I consider that just, just imperative because so many of us have these random food sensitivities. Like mm. just like you, I, I, I still a bit wary about bananas. I'm okay. I'm wary about broccoli. Yep. Yeah, broccoli I can't do either. Really? Yeah. 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 Yep. Yeah, it's mainly I think it's uh, blueberries, broccoli and pumpkin are still the things that I don't have. <laughs> <laughs> and and to other people they'd be like, What are you talking about? How can you not eat blueberries, pumpkin and broccoli? I mean, these are and again these are healthy plant foods, right? Yep. So this is where it becomes way beyond the scope of just saying, hey, just go and do like a vegan diet. It's way more complicated than that Absolutely. because, yep. you know, that alone will probably enable, say, half of the people with RA to get rid of some symptoms. But yep. on just a vegan diet, you're still going to eat, you know, French fries and Coca Cola and stuff, right? Yeah. So you're still miles and miles from even the, the starting Absolutely. point. So yeah. that's a fabulous insight about the just the crucial part of following the reintroduction process in a regimented way, so that you can make these discoveries. Yeah, I was very set with exactly doing what you said. <laughs> yeah, so I didn't introduce anything earlier. You know, like it was just exactly what you'd written down. Beautiful. Did you find yeah. there were some easy victories with the food reintroductions? Like were fruits particularly easy or veggies? No, not really. Um, I think the thing is initially you get heaps of no's, which can be a bit disappointing. But um, I remember because I did it like a month before Christmas. So I remember Christmas Day going, right, I'm introducing potatoes because I just can't have Christmas without potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, potatoes were a win, so that was a positive. Fruits I found a bit more challenging. I'd tried oranges. I'd tried uh, rock melon. They were all no's, and I was writing that on the forum, and you said to try papaya. And so I tried papaya, and that was a yes. So, awesome. yeah, that was just great. <laughs> That's so exciting. Like I, I just got goosebumps on my left leg. It's just so exciting when you can handle papaya. 
when you can yeah. handle papaya, it's basically like pie. This is the weirdest metaphor that sprung into my head. Do you remember those arcade games that used to be at uh, cafes and they were the old, uh, like there was a um, little spaceship and some things went across the screen yes. and you had to try and shoot them, right? Yeah, you're, yeah, yeah. You're, you're just old enough to remember that. Yeah. So anyway, um, with one of them, after a while, if you shot and killed enough of the aliens, then another little supportive spaceship would come and attach to yours. So now you had like a little supportive spaceship (laughs) and it was shooting bullets too. So now you're shooting out of two little spaceships, not just the one. And that's what it's like when you can add papaya. It's like now you've got this extra firepower for digestion that you didn't have before and that is so helpful and it's now yep. you now you're going at it like with twice the amount of firepower so yep. <laughs> yeah that just randomly sprung to mind but i think it's a good metaphor as long as you're over the age of about what 30 yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> i don't know um but um yeah so anyway so that's super cool. So papaya was a win and you had potatoes. Uh, at that point, you're setting yourself up for, for some, you know, really healthy and yummy meals. But potatoes, obviously, such a fantastic staple to, to have yeah. in the diet. Okay, good. Stepping aside from the food reintroductions, was there any other aspect that you emphasized? Like, did you salad with every meal and did you do green smoothies? Uh, things like that. Um, so I really struggled with salads um, for whatever reason all the the lettuce and stuff just made me feel not good at all um so what i actually did was with the carrot and celery sticks i deliberately ate a heap of them before i had my normal meal so i was trying to get those enzymes and stuff you know working in a way that i could do um and then i eventually got onto iceberg lettuce which i know is not you know the best but it's still something and then eventually on to cos lettuce and spinach so yeah it took me a little while but i still implemented it in the way that i could implement it yeah so yeah you kind of did greens food reintroductions almost so that you could eventually get to cos lettuce wow yeah (laughs) yeah wow you had a tough huh this is some tough stuff like you're clearly what you're telling me here is not one aspect of this was easy no, <laughs> not at all. No, it was pretty full on. It was like, you know, a joke about the fact that, hey, at the moment I can only have about five ingredients. <laughs> what was the total amount of time from when you started until you were able to feel that, you know, you had a, a large range of foods where you didn't have to reset frequently and it all felt like you are in a lot of control? Mm, that's a good question. Um Look, I'd probably say maybe the six-month-ish mark I started to okay. feel like okay. yeah, I had some – I had a decent amount of, you know, foods that I could could eat. Um, yep. Yeah, yeah, so probably about then. Yeah, and then I got to a point, I don't know, a little bit after that where I wasn't as keen to introduce new stuff. I felt like I had mm. a good – range you know people would say to me oh have you tried anything new this week or whatever and I'm like nah nah I'm right with what I've got so yeah yeah so I'd say between that six months to one year mark I really you know started to feel like I had a good variety and was happy with what I was eating Mm, yeah that's really really uh stimulated my 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 memory on this because what I used to do as well is 
I would get to a point and I felt like, just like yourself, safe and it feels safe to be there. And Mm -hmm. so, yeah, there are other foods and some of them seem appealing, but quite a lot of them not. Like, for instance, you know, all the different vegetables like cauliflower and and, uh, maybe uh, beans, uh, like I mean like green beans and things like this. And, and yeah, sure, they, they on paper seem like things that, would I tolerate quite well at time, but at the same time, I had no interest in those foods. Like, what are they? How are they going to add to my life? Um, I was interested much more so in different types of legumes, right? So I could have different beans and rice and different lentil flavors and stuff like that. Because also from a point of view of, I don't know, just more hearty and masculine foods that will help me gain muscle and stuff. I I sought out those, but uh, I certainly wanted the feeling more which was to not get inflamed and so i would stay where i was for months when i felt like i was onto something and onto a winner yeah yep absolutely yeah my most exciting food that was reintroduced because i actually had a sorbitol intolerance because i had ibs and um yeah the day i remember writing on the forum going i can eat an apple (laughs) like it was just incredible yeah so my sorbitol intolerance is completely gone and yeah eating apples and pears and stuff was just so exciting (laughs) wow that's great so the ibs completely went yeah yeah okay okay you get that one for free huh when you get rid of (laughs) rheumatol i know it's great (laughs) (laughs) okay all right these are some great insights. Is there anything else that uh, anything else that comes to mind that um, you did that you think might be helpful if someone else is going through this? Um, I suppose some of the little things that I worked out was like you know herbs and spices. Hmm. You know, often we sort of say, "Oh, that should be fine," um, but I actually found that I didn't tolerate the herbs and spices from the supermarket, like your oregano and garlic and um, onion powder. Yeah. But from the health food store, the organic stuff, I was fine with it. I suppose if people are having still some a bit of pain, like really micro look at what you're eating because, you know, even the herbs and spices, I introduced one by one to see how I went with them. So um, the other thing was reducing the medication was realising that some of the foods I thought were safe actually weren't safe, but the medication was masking it. So I think that's the other thing too, if you're reducing your meds, to re-look at what food you're eating and, you know, experiment a bit to see, you know. So like nutritional yeast was something that, yeah, was upsetting me that I thought was safe, which I can have now, no problems at all. But, yeah, back then reducing the meds, I worked out, no, that was actually a no, but I thought it was a yes. Yeah, I can see why you've done so well and you've gotten the results that you have because you're – insightfulness is really acute and so with that kind of level of insightfulness obviously you have that ability to to work all this out so um you know it tells me a lot that you're able to notice these little sort of things and these things are so real is that the drug is masking our reactions to Mm. everything we're eating to some extent and yes, yes, if if we're reacting a little bit to something and the drug is covering our symptoms, then when the, the drug lowers, suddenly now that becomes apparent, which yes. is why um, I have guidelines around coming off the medications. And mm. one of those guidelines is that you are ready, pre- 
and prepared both physically and mentally or emotionally for a pain increase. Because if you're on the threshold of being only able to, you know, handle your current level of discomfort, even if your blood tests look good and your, your symptoms to the doctor seem pretty good, but if, if you and your body feel that this experience is only just manageable, then lowering the drug is not a good idea because it's going to knock you over the edge and you're going to be unable to, you know, just keep doing what you're doing without getting too distressed. Yeah, yeah, you've got to feel like you've got it under control and you know, okay, I can do this, I can cope with it, you know. Yeah, absolutely, you have to be prepared for it. Yeah, yeah. Just, um, yeah, you basically feel like you have to have some buffer or some insurance yeah. in place. Yeah. Like, okay, if things worse a little bit, I'm going to be fine with it. I can handle it and yeah. have enough experience with doing all the things that you did, which yeah. is the testing of the foods, the preparation of the foods, having months of experience under your belt so that if things do go the wrong direction a little bit, there's no panic. There's no because this panic and stress associated with that also can then trigger, you know, negatively yes. with our symptoms. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so it needs to be very calmly and systematically yep. done. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I just told myself, don't stress. It'll be fine. Just give it a go. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That's it. Yeah. Um, yep. Great. Okay. Um, and you mentioned before some of the exercise components, but is it something that you do on a regular basis? at the moment or is it something that you do on a on a um putting out fire kind of basis yeah pretty much a putting out fire basis now um so initially um i tried bikram yoga for um a couple of months but i really didn't cope you know just the energy fatigue just i didn't cope with it so i ended up doing uh yin yoga because my Um, osteo suggested trying some other yogas and yin yoga was really really beneficial so i was doing that regularly and yeah big improvements it was funny initially because you know the teacher would be talking about you know you should feel you know the pain in this particular part of your body or not pain but you know what I mean discomfort or whatever in particular part of your body I'm thinking really no I'm feeling pain in my fingers or you know other random places (laughs) that's right you're trying to find a place that doesn't hurt yeah (laughs) sorry yeah it was really funny and it was was good because you saw the progress then when you know eventually actually you were feeling the the muscle stretch and Mm. stuff and not all the pain um i remember like i think it was lion's pose and you know you're supposed to put your hands like you know backwards behind you and i'm like there was no way i could do that and you know slowly little by little that started getting better and better until i could just do it without any problems yeah so that was really um important and then yeah i was doing some gym sessions as well just half an hour nothing you know full-on, just sort of more cardio stuff. Mm. Yeah, so I, I didn't have to go massively into the exercise, but I utilised it any time I, you know, needed mm. to. Mm. Yep. So you kept up your yoga membership. You kept an ability to go to the gym when you needed it. This yep. is crucial. This is yep. crucial. I mean, especially in the US. In the US, uh, gym memberships are so cheap. I have a gym membership that I'm still paying and I live in Australia. It's so cheap. It's like I'm not even using it, but I just keep it open so that, Next time yep. we're there, I, it's $10 a month, okay? So, oh, I mean, yeah. it, it's cheaper <laughs> than Netflix. Uh, yep. So it, it really it really is a um, an easy way for people to know, again, they have that insurance. They yep. have that safety net. 
If you yeah. feel bad, need to go to the gym, go to the gym, please. Don't sit at home and think, oh, you know, like get the gym membership in place. Yeah. Have it as insurance or ideally go in a preventative way. Go as often as possible yeah. if at all possible. Yeah, well, definitely initially I was regularly going. And yes. Then, yep. Yeah. And the yoga, yin yoga, absolutely. Um, love yin yoga, how the body feels when you walk out. You just feel blissful. <laughs> yeah, it was great. <laughs> First time I went to a yin yoga after doing a couple of hundred of Bikram classes, and I don't, I only knew Bikram as like yep. yoga. And I go to a yin class, and I'm like, "Is is this it? Like, is this yeah. is this yeah. what we're doing? We just have to lie here with my leg tucked under me for three minutes. This is like." Unbelievable. I was it was boring the first class. <laughs> like, I've done all these big room classes and not coped, and then <laughs> I'm like, oh, this is boring. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but then, uh, but then you feel really so good afterwards. Yeah, that's what kept me going back. Yeah, felt so much better after them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know I do miss them. I do miss them. Um, okay, well, Kim, thank you so much for for sharing all this with us. No. It's been really great to recap on your story and uh, for you to inspire our audience to keep doing what they're doing. And yeah, really appreciate you sharing everything you've learned. No worries. Happy to do so. <laughs> Thank All right. you so much for your help. <laughs> Thank you very much. You've been listening to the Patterson Program. For more information, visit pattersonprogram.com.